Welcome to the One in One Podcast, where a below-average podcaster chats with an above-average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. Today's guest is Alec Reitzel, a former swimmer for Lenore Ryan University, who graduated in 2013 and then stayed on as a graduate assistant and received his master's in 2015. Throughout his time there, Alec dealt with a career-ending injury and struggled with his sexuality. I think it's going to be a great conversation, and I'm excited to get started. Alec, thanks for joining me. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, Alec, you grew up in Hickory, North Carolina. Where exactly is that? Is that close to Charlotte, Wilmington, any of those areas? So, yeah, it's actually, um, it's about an hour north of Charlotte. Um, It's, I always say it's like the middle point between Charlotte and Asheville. So we were like an hour from the mountains and then like an hour from the city. (laughs) Okay. That's good. Right yeah. in between. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. In the, and then, you know, the, the pretty much the definition of the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a small, pretty conservative town, right? Yes, very much so. Um, I, it actually, like, I think if you look at the, like, overall population of Hickory, it's a lot bigger than it might sound, but it's definitely a small town. Um, you know, there's, there's more than, there's a few high schools, but there's really, like, only two that anybody like talks about or knows um which was my high school and then our rival high school um but but yeah so it was and then it was just like you know very small town from there everybody knew everything about everyone um you know there were there was no keeping secrets in that town (laughs) oh yeah i'm from one of those (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah and you also came from a, a religious family and church was a constant in your childhood Oh yeah. Um, growing up, we, um, we started out going actually to a Methodist church that I was sprinkled as a baby. That's what they always called it. It wasn't baptism. It was sprinkling. I have no idea what the difference is. Um, but yeah, so we, we went to that church, um, up until I'd say like fifth or sixth grade. Um, I went through confirmation and that happened in sixth grade. So that's the only reason I know that I was still at that church at that time. (laughs) Um, but, and then after that, we moved to a local Baptist church, um, and, and then got like really involved in that church. You know, my mom was on committees. Um, I was really active in the youth group and so was my little brother. And, uh, we were at that church until sometime, uh, when I was in college. Um, so it was a long time. It was your typical Southern Baptist. I would like to, uh, I would say it's a Southern Baptist as Southern Baptist gets. (laughs) So I take it their take on homosexuality was not positive. Oh no. Um, it, I always like kind of joke that they had like two, I'm putting air quotes, um, around that sins. Um, and it was like drinking and like homosexuality. And I was like, well, Oh no, I, I, I drink with my friends sometimes and I'm pretty sure I'm gay. So this isn't good. <laughs> A double offender. <laughs> uh, right. Exactly. And then I, I don't know. They, they definitely harped on, um, you know, several things that they considered to be like, the worst possible things you could do. And homosexuality was definitely one of them and was talked about pretty frequently, um, you know, in a negative light, obviously. Um, I guess, so I was there, you know, in the early, you know, throughout pretty much 
from like 2002, 2003, you know, through, uh, throughout that time. So, you know, not necessarily like the, a great time, I guess, to try to be gay. Um, obviously we've made some really good strides since then. Um, but nothing was progressive in this, in the, and, in, and in, in the church or in the town. Um, so yeah, it wasn't fun. <laughs> wow. But right now in 2019, you are a proud gay man engaged about to get married, which we're, we're certainly going to get into later. But while you were growing up, you were in an extremely tough environment to be able to come to terms with who you are and accept yourself. So if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you realized you were gay or at least thought you might be? Yeah, so I actually, this is, this is actually kind of a fun question for me. Um, I uh, like to describe myself as kind of like an old soul. Um, I, uh, when I was younger, I was really into like, <laughs> Um, I remember, I just remember being in like second grade listening to like the culture club <laughs> and just like some older music, um, and reading a lot of like books kind of like outside of, you know, my, what a normal second or grader should be reading. Um, and, but I really remember being five or six years old. So I guess that's what, like kindergarten, first grade, um, and being like, I'm, I, I definitely couldn't have said at that time, obviously I'm gay. I didn't even know what that meant, yeah. but I definitely knew I was different. I didn't, you know, there were certain things that I just didn't feel the same way that, you know, some of my other um, friends that were boys were feeling or talking about or interested in or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I just kind of equated it at the time, just they're into dumb stuff and I'm into better stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, as I got older, it, it definitely, I would say, you know, by the time I was in, you know, middle school, so sixth, seventh, eighth grade, um, I definitely felt as if I was gay. Um, but at the same time, I was just coming into this new church and being, you know, like, just bombarded with, you know, you're not allowed to be this way. Um, it's a choice, you know, it's some, it's a sin. It's, uh, you know, something, you know, that's being put in front of you and you have to, you know, tackle it and battle it and, you know, all this stuff. Um, so yeah, but I would definitely say by middle school, I definitely knew like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm gay, but I can't be gay. So it was kind of like a cool, um, what do I do? <laughs> Oh, that must be so hard. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was. Uh, I feel like I got really good at kind of, like, hiding that side of me. I mean, it, it wasn't, it, this isn't something that I'm, like, proud of by any means, but I definitely suppressed any, I mean, you know, any and every thought that I could. You know, I never even thought about, like, telling somebody that or, you know, when I was, you know, I was bullied a lot, Um because, you know, everybody's voices started changing and mine stayed the same. And, you know, I, again, you know, I, different interests, um, you know, and just different things that, you know, people that, you know, a typical Southern boy is supposed to be interested in. And I wasn't interested in any of those things. Um, and so I just, I, I tried really hard just to kind of play the part, um, you know, by just kind of keeping my head down, not talking, um, 
I was a really talkative kid, um, really talkative person. Um, so I was always getting in trouble in elementary school for talking too much. Um, <laughs> but I definitely stopped getting in trouble for a lot of that as I got older because I just really did start to, I would, I would be quiet in certain situations. I wouldn't be an outgoing person. Um, you know, if I felt like I was surrounded by a bunch of people who may or may not make fun of me for the way that I talked or acted or, you know, I would just try to be like them, um, which was you know, not fun, but I just felt like it was something that I was supposed to do. Yeah, I can understand that. And when you talk about hiding it and suppressing it, I think this is a great place to start talking about your swimming career. Sure. When, when did you start to swim? So I actually started swimming kind of a little bit later. Um, I wasn't really, <laughs> I, my, you know, I played soccer for, um, when I was younger, I, I guess it's just like what everybody did. And I was so bad. Um, I wasn't the best soccer player either. (laughs) Like really bad, like where I would get put on the best team, but then I would be, I would be the goalie because like nobody would ever get the ball to me. So they were like, this is the perfect place for Alec to be where he has no, like he has nothing to do. (laughs) Um, So uh, I eventually uh, was introduced to swimming by actually by my grandmother. Um, I was on a, beach trip with her or something and I was just kind of swimming in the pool and she was like wait he's you know good at this and um so my parents contacted a coach and so I started swimming on a club team when I was in fifth grade um so I was 10 yeah so I was 10 so I was starting you know like a lot of the kids in my little group that I was in were a little bit younger than me um but I wasn't really in that group for that long um and then eventually I was kind of, you know, right where um, everybody else in my age group was. But yeah, I started when I was, yeah, in fifth grade. And what were your events in swimming? So when I was younger, I was actually um, a distance swimmer. Um, I was pretty good at like the 500, the 1,000, and the mile. Uh, I swam I swam those uh, frequently, which was... Um, I never, looking back at it, I think I just dove into the water and swam. I just, I guess I just had like this, like inf- infinite amount of energy or something. I, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I never looked at those races as being like daunting, um, or even scary at all. So I was, you know, um, just ready to swim those events and, uh, I did pretty well in them. And then as I got older, um, I started, you know, kind of figuring out that I was more of a mid-distance freestyler and a butterflyer, actually, which is kind of what I took with me into college when I was swimming in college. I personally think that swimming is the hardest sport. (laughs) It's such a hard workout to me. When I swim laps, somehow I swim crooked, too. So if I was on your swim team, I would probably get disqualified because I'd go into the op- someone else's lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a tough sport. Um, I think that, you know, I personally think that just any sport uh, is difficult. I'm not great at like learning new ones at this point in my life. Um, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a workout. I, um, I don't swim that often now, even though I'm coaching swimming. Um, I swim when I can, but uh Anytime I do it, I'm just like, wow, this is so hard. How did I ever do this like (laughs) twice a day, every day, you know, for as long as I did. So uh, it definitely makes me appreciate uh, the sport when I try to do it now. 
For sure. And you're you're on the right spot, in my opinion. Now you're just yelling at the kids to swim. Exactly. I'm on the other side. Now I'm the, the coaches that I used to get mad at. I am now them. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's fun being on the other side of it, I think, because it, it helps to, you know, actually have, you know, some experience behind me. Um, and I've coached all age groups of children from, you know, three and four years old, all the way up into when I was coaching college kids. So wow, I've seen it, awesome. yeah, you know, I've seen it all. <laughs> <laughs> so in high school, you were on the swim team and you also played tennis, right? I did. I did. Um, I actually had my, um, my sophomore year of high school, I had my appendix removed and, uh, is it's really not even that big of a deal. Uh, I mean, it happens to a lot of people, but it took me a long time time to kind of recover from it. So I was out of swimming for a long time. And then when I got back in it, at that point, I felt really burned out. Um, my freshman year, I did really well um, at uh, the, our high school state meet. And then I did really well following that meet at, at what we call Junior Olympics, um, which was basically just the state meet for or all of North Carolina. And um, you know, so I was pretty, I, I felt pretty good going into my sophomore year, you know, being like, okay, not, you know, I can build on that and it'll be fine. But then I had my, I had my appendix removed and I was out of the water for like a month and I just didn't get back in it with that same kind of drive or passion. And I had always kind of just played tennis, um, never really competitively or anything. And then I tried out for the team and uh, my sophomore year and I made it. And so I just started do, trying to do both. Um, which was pretty difficult, uh, <laughs> but it actually ended up leading to where I focused more on tennis than I did on swimming. And I ended up quitting my club swimming team, my junior year and just swimming for the high school team. So it was a little bit easier to balance both sports, but I definitely lost, um, a lot of traction. Um, I don't know if that's the right word, but, uh, with my swimming and then, you know, kind of built it up with my tennis, but, uh, I was definitely never going to play. I mean, I could have maybe played tennis in college if somebody like, let me walk on to like the worst team ever, but, um, <laughs> uh, it wasn't something that I knew I was going to take with me. I knew that like once high school tennis was over, that it was going to be over. Yeah. But it sounds like you enjoyed it and it was something you like to do for fun. Yeah, absolutely. I still actually, I play tennis now more than and I swim. Um, I, uh, I, it's a little bit easier yeah. <laughs> for me to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's something that I definitely enjoy. I enjoy watching it, you know, on TV and, um, just keeping up with it. So it's, I mean, I'm glad that I had that time because, you know, I made some good friends along the way, um, playing tennis and stuff. So, um, it was good. Nice. And how was your serve? Ugh, the worst. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I actually took some uh, I took a tennis lesson last night uh, from uh, some local kids here. They actually played. They're actually pro uh, tennis players. Wow. Um, yeah, just local. So I and they they were like, "Wow, we need to work on that serve." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I know, same." Well, maybe when they're done with you, you'll you'll have some cool serve where you can spin it and curve it. Yeah, do something with it, and you know, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Well, I'm rooting for you. No, thanks. <laughs> anyway, when I talked about how swimming and tennis might lead into the more discussion about you hiding your sexuality, mm -hmm. in high school, athletes, you know, they're they're the kings. So was it was it easy for you to hide behind that? 
Um, the swim team definitely wasn't the king of my high school. We were very <laughs> much a little Southern football school that's, you know, also had basketball. Um, but our swim team, I mean, overall in the history of our school sporting events are, was one of our best teams. Um, so I think a little bit, I do remember coming into high school and a lot of the older guys on the team were like, Oh, we're getting this good, like kid, like blah, 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 blah. So I definitely was able to, yeah, I guess kind of hide behind that because, you know, I had upperclassmen as my friends. Um, and, you know, I, we had this, I mean, looking back on it now, the way that this was even set up was honestly just scary, but we had this balcony in our lunchroom. Basically it was just this platform raised up about five stairs and it was called the senior balcony. And you could only sit there if you were a senior or if you were invited by seniors. So I remember sitting up there as a freshman thinking I was the coolest person in the world. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, so I guess it was like, you know, it was a little bit easier to use swimming to kind of hide behind that because, you know, I wasn't Alec the, you know, the gay kid. I was Alec the swimmer who, you know, might be gay. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it definitely helped. I definitely, I think, you know, I've said this before that I used swimming as kind of that outlet. Um, I don't even think I knew that I was using it as that, but it was really it was easy to distract myself um, from, you know, being concerned about my sexuality or concerned about what people think about me or this or that. So, you know, putting a lot of time and energy behind swimming um, was something that I think, you know, overall helped me. And then obviously it made me a better swimmer. So, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it was sad that that's what I was using it for, but I guess some good did come from it. <laughs> Yeah, but I can totally understand that. And I'm, I'm sure you're not the only kid that went through something like that. Maybe swimming wasn't their crutch, but something else might have been. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think that, I, I mean, it's unfortunate that, you know, people ha feel the need to do that. But I think a lot of people do hide, you know, behind whatever it is, you know, whatever, if it's a passion of theirs or if it's, you know, something more, you know, like a little bit darker, um, you know, I, I know a lot, I have a, you know, a friend that just wrote a lot, um, which was, I, you know, I never, I never got into that because, you know, putting my feelings on paper just made them that much more real. <laughs> so I was I like, hmm, we can just, we can just keep these in the back of your head. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely think that a lot of people, um, did that. Uh, I definitely felt, and I, I mean, I'm not sure, but I definitely may have been one of the only gay kids at my school, <laughs> um, or at least that's how it felt. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. Like, I'm sure that's how you felt at that time. Now, looking back, what, 10 years later, do you now know of any other gay kids that were in your, in your grade or within those four, four grades, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, when you were going to school? Yeah, there's, um, I had a classmate, um, she is now, um, a minister, I think, um, I'm, you know, I hope I don't miss, like, I hope I didn't misspeak on what her actual title is, but she's, um, she's an out and proud lesbian, but also a minister, which I just think is like really cool because that's just a side of the church that I never even knew would be possible. Um, so she's obviously in a very progressive part of the country and stuff, yeah, but, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, I like, I like keeping in touch with her and talking with her about different issues. Um, I think 
couple of people in my brother's grade. So he was a freshman when I was a senior. Um, he has a couple of classmates that um, have come out. Um, but as far as as far, I mean, they were definitely few and far between. And, you know, I'm sure that there were more out there um, that maybe still are out or, you know, have come out and I, you know, just don't know about it. Um, but it, it felt very lonely. Um, like there was definitely no one that I felt comfortable enough to, you know, be like, Hey, it's maybe we're on the same page. (laughs) Um, I actually tried that one time looking back on it and it backfired spectacularly, um, (laughs) because we were not on the same page. So that, That, yeah, that wasn't great. That was a that was a brain fart on my part. Um, but I think I did an I think I did an okay job pivoting. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure those kids or not kids anymore. You guys are all adults. I'm sure those people you mentioned probably also felt alone. And it's a shame that you guys couldn't have all come together. But I understand why you couldn't. Right. Yeah, I know. And I mean, I'm sure that they were all in the same boat, you know, just trying to keep their head down. And I mean, because I mean, you know, as well as anyone, middle school and high school are just rough. Um, They're the worst. Yeah. And I can't even imagine now, like with social media and just, you know, everything just being put out, you know, everything is put out there on the Internet now. Like I was lucky enough to at least I mean, Facebook was barely popular by the time I graduated high school. Um, you know, I think I got, I mean, I don't even think I had a Facebook until I was like a junior. So like, and then of course, like Instagram, all of them, they didn't exist. Um, so I'm, I can't even imagine how it is now. Obviously, you know, I, I feel like our country is moving in the right direction when it comes to homosexuality and, um, just the LGBT community in general. But, um, I'm sure it's still very difficult for people in certain parts of the country to be going through that. Absolutely. And I agree. I can't imagine going through high school or middle school with Instagram and Twitter and Facebook being more popular. I can't imagine that. Yeah, I just I I I, I feel for those kids um, and I hope that, you know, that they feel comfortable enough to, you know, at least have a circle where they can be themselves. Like maybe it's not, you know, where they can entirely be themselves, but just, you know, that closeness circle. Um, I, I hope that for the, the generation below us. Yes, for sure. Me too. So Alec, you were the cool freshman invited to the senior platform. Did you date girls in high school? Yeah, I did. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think I tried to like have a girlfriend all the time. Uh, I think, you know, again, I just, if any of you are listening, I'm so sorry. Um, But uh, I I think I tried as, you know, just like any other guy. I just like, you know, was like, this is what you're supposed to do. And again, I was like, I, I, at the time, I don't even think I looked at it as hiding from it. I really was trying so hard to just not be gay. Um, I was, you know, I was convinced in my mind. Uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll even go out as far as to use the term brainwashed um, by the church that I was in, that this was absolutely a choice and I could absolutely, you know, run away from it if it's something that was affecting my life. Um, and so I was like, well, but, you know, let's, let's put on, let's play the part. Let's have girlfriends. So, um, yeah, I definitely... I think the only year that I didn't have like an actual girlfriend was my senior year. Um, and I had an ex-girlfriend who had gone off to college. So we were kind of like 
on and off, I guess. Um, but, you know, I was, a, I was just, it's funny now to talk about it because a lot of people will meet me now and, you know, I have a bunch of tattoos, I have piercings, I, I paint my fingernails, you know, I don't, I don't hold anything back. Um, but you know, and they're like, wow, like how did you date girls? And, <laughs> and it's, and it's funny. Like I, I love, you know, I love talking about it now. Um, but I was completely different. You know, I had a, I had a buzz cut, you know, I just had a buzz cut head. I wore, you know, what the other guys wore, you know, like I would, whatever I thought, you know, that a typical straight male needed to do at that time, that's what I tried to do. Whether it was, you know, even changing the way that I, my voice sounded, um, you know, obviously I couldn't do that all the time because that's just impossible. But, um, <laughs> but you know, you know, and, and again, you know, surrounding myself with people who I almost feel like I had so many surface level friendships because if I kept them at an arm's length, then they wouldn't, you know, maybe get to know me enough to where they might have that thought that I might be gay. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I, I yeah, I had a lot of girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me really happy that today you're comfortable really being yourself and expressing yourself. I think that's great. Yeah, it's, um, I, I feel good about it. Um, I, you know, I want, I mean, you know, even when I'm coaching a little boy the other day, it's, I mean, of course he's very, a small child, so I don't fault him for this, but he was like, why do you have your nails painted? Only girls paint their nails. And I was like, I was like, guys can paint their nails too. I was like, we don't have any rules here. <laughs> um, you know, I, and, uh, so yeah, but I'm definitely comfortable with it. And I know that, um, you know, I had like a, I have a pink water bottle just because it's the one that I wanted. And, um, you know, a, nice. a little boy like complimented it the other day on the team. And I was like, love this. I love this oh, generation. Nice. And, and, and even though that's like something as trivial as a pink water bottle, you know, when I was in high school, I would have never carried a pink water bottle. I yeah, mean, sure. you know, it's just not something I would have done. And, um, you know, I, so that's like, you know, one thing that I definitely want to try to do is if I can you know, make up for lost time or whatever it is, you know, if I can be myself and I can show other people that, you know, they can be whatever they want to be, then that's all that, you know, like that's the most important thing. I think that's great. That's awesome, Alec. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we live, you know, going back to the social media thing, we live in a society where everything is just, it almost, it like, I feel like we're moving forward, but like everything is so under a microscope and, you know, every, I, everything that people do sometimes feels so calculated. And, um, I think that, you know, I even get caught up in that sometimes. And so I think it's important, you know, to, at the end of the day to take a step back and realize that, you know, you can, you can do whatever you want. You know, I was reading an article actually today on Cam, Cam Newton, um, and his, you know, crazy, if you want to call it that, like his, the way he dresses, um, do you follow that? <laughs> I know who Cam Newton is. I don't think I know how he dresses though. Okay. So he has a very just like different style. I mean, it is, I mean, I feel like if you like Googled Cam Newton, like outfits, you would see the most different crazy like you know they are all over the place he has his own line of like hats that he wears and you know it is just it, it, 
it's i mean it's some of the stuff i wouldn't wear it but like that's because it's it's him and it's not me and i saw i read this article today talking about how people are like worried that he puts too much time into his fashion and not enough into his football and then of course people <laughs> toss around like stuff about sexuality and then it was just like that is something that he's passionate about is his is his fashion you know and it, it has nothing to do with gay or straight or feminine or you know anything like that you know he, he wears what he wants to wear because that's just what he does he's not he's not going he's a multimillionaire football player, you know, who's going to be set for the rest of his life. He's not doing it to impress anyone. He's doing it because he wants to. Um, and I, I, you know, I think that a lot of people, you know, is again, it's something as trivial as what we wear every day. But I think that that, you know, a lot of people could learn from that. Like if we just let people just be, you know, and especially with stuff that doesn't matter, like what somebody wears doesn't matter. <laughs> That's true. And I'm sure it doesn't affect how he plays football. Exactly. Like, it's what he's wearing afterwards. <laughs> yeah. No, but football is a very masculine. It's probably the most masculine sport, or at least that's oh, what, yeah, like, stereotyped sure. as. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, I'm sure football fans think that way. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, especially in the South. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's your, he's your quarterback. Yeah. Carolina. Well, I mean, if I, like, cared about football. <laughs> um, I, but, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see them do well because again they're and they're in charlotte so my fiance's from charlotte so it's essentially like half our hometown nice so alec do you still attend church today um i don't uh i actually when i was living at home in grad school um uh, my mom and i attended um a church a very open and affirming church so this was you know after i had come out um, we went there a few times. Um, I was, and then, you know, uh, Michael, that's my fiance's name. Uh, we did distance for like the first year or so of our relationship. So I was gone a lot on the weekends. So I didn't really go to church that much. Um, and then, you know, as since we've made the, we've been living in Charleston for going on three years now. Um, you know, we, we don't go. Uh, we've had conversations about going because um, he grew up Catholic, so he also had, you know, not the greatest upbringing when it comes to be comes to being homosexual. Uh, but you know, I think that we we both struggle with, you know, just the idea of organized religion. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that I, I won't. I don't want to say my belief have changed as much as they've just evolved. And it's been really nice to be able to evolve my beliefs into what I want to, you know, into what I believe as me. Whereas, you know, growing up, I, I was being forced to believe that the Southern Baptist way was the only way. Um, so I struggled with that a lot. I mean, we would literally, like our church, would talk about other churches and I was like, I'm so confused. Don't we all believe the same thing? <laughs> um, you know, like I didn't even, I didn't realize that Methodist versus Baptist versus Lutheran, but you know, I, I, it, it was so confusing to me um, growing up. And, you know, as I, as I got older in the church, um, you know, going into like my senior year of high school and then in college when I was still attending the church, I, I you know, definitely started to have not different beliefs, but just started to voice some kind of anything that was different and it was just immediately just like shut down um you know people were worried for me they were praying for me and i was like 
oh, all I did was say that we shouldn't care about who marries who. <laughs> I don't think I need to be prayed for, but okay, yeah. thank you for that. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that we definitely struggle with the idea of organized religion. I think that it's, I mean, it, and it, it works for some people, and that's amazing. You know, I love you know, that that is something that can people can find, but I think it's the idea of like shoving it down people's throats and, you know, it's this way or no way. And, you know, that's something that we struggle with. So I think that we both definitely consider ourselves to be, you know, spiritual people. Um, but, you know, we just let our beliefs and, um, you know, yeah. So just our beliefs, you know, we just let them evolve as we go. You know, I think that it's important to always be, you know, open and to listening to other, you know, religions, other people in their walks of life. And, uh, I think it helps mold you. And, um, I think now that I'm able to be open to, uh, as opposed to, you know, like when I used to be like, no, this way or the highway, um, (laughs) it's definitely like helped me grow as a person. So, I mean, I think that I, I, I like that my beliefs are constantly like evolving. I don't like to say changing. I think that they just evolve and they grow. Yeah, that's a healthy progression. Yeah, definitely. So now let's go to the time where you're about to enter college. Did you receive offers to swim? Yeah, so I did. Even though I quit club swimming, I was obviously still high school swimming. So I got some letters. Um, I got, you know, some, a couple of people talking to my coach. Um, But I was, by my senior year, anti any college sports. Um, I was You're burnt com- out. I was burnt out. I was over it. I just wanted to get out of Hickory and I wanted to just leave and, you know, basically start over. Um, I don't know what I thought I was doing. Um, cause I actually went to the university of Tennessee my freshman year. Um, so I don't, I genuinely don't looking back on it. I think I literally just applied there because, um, I wanted to, (laughs) um, there was like no real connection there and, um, I didn't know anyone going there. And I think that that was somewhat appealing to me was to literally be like, okay, I am going to this university with no one else from my high school. So I'm leaving that all behind. But I don't know why I thought that going from like Hickory, North Carolina to Knoxville, Tennessee was going to be like some huge progressive leap (laughs) (laughs) because it's, it wasn't, um, so I think that, you know, as soon as I got there, I definitely struggled, which is what led, uh, you know, led me to transfer. Yeah, you only spent one semester there, right? Right, yeah. So I actually, you know, met some of the greatest people that I have ever known um, at that school. Um, actually, one of them is whose wedding we're going to in Rhode Island this weekend. Um, oh, nice. So, you know, I've been able to keep in touch with some of them. Um, a couple of them are some of the first people I told that I was gay. I mean, obviously they knew, but, um, they never, they never ever pushed that on me until, you know, I talked to them about it. Um, and, uh, so I, I don't regret my time at Tennessee there at all. Um, you know, I, I met some good people and being able to stay in contact with them was really important to me when I left. And I'm really glad that, you know, 10 years, I mean, it's been 10 years since I was there. Um, being able to stay in contact with them like this is, you know, just been like a really special thing for me. That's great. Especially considering you only stayed there for four months, you were able to form those lasting bonds. Yeah. I mean, you know, I found my, I found my group. We were all out of state. Most of them for, were from up North. So that, you know, was a different 
you know, pace for me. Um, you know, they, uh, I definitely think that they were, if we want to like say, you know, progressive for them, they were definitely more progressive than I was. They didn't have, they weren't, you know, they just weren't closed minded. And I think that that's why I gravitated towards them so easily is that I was like, Oh, like there are people out there who, you know, meet me and don't immediately ask if I'm gay. <laughs> um, you know, they just want to know where I'm from and what I do. And <laughs> yeah, the more important things. Exactly, the things that actually matter. <laughs> so you come home after that first semester, and you become the first male signee for the swimming program at Lenore Rhine University, a Division II school. So you said you were burnt out as you were graduating high school. What led you to want to swim again? Yeah, so I was, um, like I said, Hickory's a very small town, and rumor, not rumor, because it was true, but word got out that I was transferring and coming back home, um, and, well, it wasn't coming back home, it was, I'm transferring, I just don't know where, um, and uh, I actually went to a swim meet uh, for my high school, uh, you know, I think I was home over, I want to say Thanksgiving break. And, uh, my old club, my old club and high school coach, he was, he coached both programs, um, approached me and I knew that they had a women's team because it had started when I was in high school. And he said, you know, I heard you're transferring and he goes, well, I'm starting a men's team in the fall. Uh, like, you know, so this was fall of 2009. So he was starting it in fall of 2010. And he said, you'll always have a spot if you want it. And I was just like, what? Um, you know, we had had, we had kind of had a falling out when I quit. Um, you know, I, obviously he was just disappointed and I was just over it. So, you know, we definitely didn't keep in any kind of contact, but you know, he, he, when he said that, I was like, that's just so weird. Like I haven't jumped in a pool in six months, six, eight months, not however long it had been. And, uh, I, I just kind of. I went home. I actually think I said it to my mom and my mom like laughed. She was like, you hate swimming. <laughs> um, and then, you know, my mom and I talked about it and then I had, you know, she, I, I, she had a conversation with the coach. I had more conversations with the coach and then it all kind of just fell together. I literally think that I waited until the absolute last minute. I don't even really remember applying to the university, um, I just remember like sending like transcripts and SAT scores or something. And I remember enrolling for classes the day before they started. Um, oh, wow. so yeah, so I definitely had some slim pickings when it, it, I mean, it was already a super, you know, coming from Tennessee with 30,000 students and I could change my schedule. I changed my schedule before I started there like 30 times, but you know, now it was like, these are literally the only classes you can be in. <laughs> um, so that was a little bit different, but yeah, it all came together so fast. Um, it was a little overwhelming. Um, and you know, I was, ju- I was back in the pool just like, halfway drowning my way to try trying to get back into shape um but yeah so i started at lenorine in the in january of 2010 um and i spent the spring semester just practicing with the women's team obviously because the men's team wasn't there yet um so i was just practicing with them in the spring and then i you know just did an entire summer of two a days uh with my old club team um that summer before the program started how close is Lenore Rhine to Hickory? 
It's in Hickory. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah. So when I say I transferred back home, I literally meant back home. You literally <laughs> meant it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. So that was another, you know, that was another thing. I, uh, my brother was going through a lot, um, in his like high school time and, uh, my mom, you know, my mom being a single mom, um, was struggling with that. So I kind of felt a little twinge of guilt being away, um, at college Why, like, you know, just kind of like doing my thing and, you know, letting my family kind of struggle back home. So I think that I felt a little like sense of responsibility to try to help out. Um, and so when the opportunity for Lenore Ryan came knocking, I, you know, it, it felt like the right thing to do at the time. Um, so, but it definitely was a lot different, you know, going from, you know, living in a different state, you know, on my own in a dorm to, you know, back home, just, you know, upstairs. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so it was, I mean, the, the, like being back home, literally, you know, in the city and living at home was a very, a, a, a tougher transition than I thought it would be. Um, you know, I had even had like thoughts, like at the beginning of my sophomore year at, at Lenore Ryan, um, I was like, oh, this was a terrible idea. I need to transfer again. But my mom told me that we had a one transfer rule. And I was like, I don't think that's a rule, but okay. <laughs> she made the <laughs> so rule. It's her house. She made, yeah, exactly. She made the rule. So I was like, okay, it must be a rule. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it ended up being a good thing for me. And, um, I, you know, I really enjoyed my time there. Nice. So, okay. So now you're a college swimmer. You said earlier you swam the butterfly stroke. Did you swim any other events? Yeah. So, um, coming in to, uh, college swimming, I, you know, talked with my coach and I was like, I'm absolutely not a distance swimmer anymore. Um, I was like, I just don't feel confident in getting into that kind of shape. And so I was like, let's focus on, you know, what I was getting better at towards the end of high school. And, um, yeah, so I swam, you know, my main events were the 200 and 500 yard freestyle and then the hundred and 200 yard butterfly. Um, so that those were the events that I kind of focused on and got better at as, um, you know, my swimming career in college progressed. I'm winded just hearing you talk about those events. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, same, honestly. Um, but, yeah, they were, uh, they were, t- the tuner butterfly was a tough event. Um, it's just a lot of just butterfly strokes. I mean, like, I honestly think somebody could say, I'll give you a million dollars to swim a tuner butterfly right now without stopping. And I don't think I could do it. <laughs> um, like I could try as hard as I could and I just don't think I could do it. Um, which just makes me appreciate, you know, like I said, what I was doing at the time. Um, but yeah, it was good. I, um, when we started, the men's team was so small. Um, we only had about eight, I think we ended my soft. So like my first year, but my sophomore year, I think we ended with like six guys on the team because several quit throughout the year. Um, and, uh, but then by the time, you know, my junior year came around, we had a lot more and then, you know, and now I think that the men's team is just like doing very well. Um, there's a couple of kids on the team that, you know, I coached when they were little, which is really cool to see. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a tiny little team to start out. (laughs) (laughs) 
And is the same coach still there today? He is. Um, he's still there. I, 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 you know, I don't know if he'll ever retire. <laughs> um, it's just, it's in his blood. Um, you know, he's been around swimming since he was, you know, a teenager. So, um, but yeah, so he's still there and, uh, he's, and I mean, like I said, they're doing really well. I try to keep up with them as much as I can. You know, I definitely haven't been back to see a meet or anything in quite some time. Um, but you know, I definitely, every now and then I'll click onto the website and see, um, how they're doing. Um, and you know, that kind of stuff. And it's really nice to see, you know, how much just how much the program has grown since, um, I was there, you know, how much more recognition they're getting, um, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, they you know, they have a lot more funding now, um, because we, we, yeah, we fought hard, um, for funding, um, back in the day we had, I remember, I think when I first started, I think my coach was given one full scholarship to divvy up between the men and women's swim team. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was like, you get $4. <laughs> um, we'll pay for one of your textbooks. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I just, I, I definitely remember, you know, as a captain and just being close with the coach because I had grown up with him, you know, definitely remember hearing and talking to him about all of the, you know, struggles that he had with the university and trying to, you know, just get them just to buy in, you know, like you can't, you're not going to be able to get top talent if you can't give them money. That's just, I mean, in my opinion, common sense. But, um, Absolutely. So, uh, but, you know, he fought and he kept, you know, fighting. And I'm sure that they're still probably heavily underfunded compared to some other sports, but I think it's definitely gotten a lot better. Yeah. I'm sure football and basketball are still king, but, but that's good. I'm they, glad to hear it's getting yeah. better. Yeah, definitely. It's hard because people always say, Oh, you know, the money, you know, the sports that, you know, bring revenue into the school and do this and do that. And I was just like, I mean, that's true, but by, bringing, I mean, if you bring talent to the school, that's going to bring more talent to the school. And then that could eventually lead to, you know, maybe, you know, conference championships or, you know, something like that. And it's like, isn't that the whole point of sports? (laughs) um, So, I mean, I know, I, I know money talks, so I'm not like completely, you know, I'm not, against that but i also think that if you're going to have programs then you need to fund them appropriately agreed and were you able to mend that relationship with your coach yeah absolutely i think that um you know i remember at our beginning talks um before i decided to you know transfer and sign on with the team um you know we talked about that um i just you know told him that i was in a place of just being extremely burnt out and you know I definitely um, regret some of, you know, my theatrics, if you will, when I quit. Um, (laughs) I think several people will still remember that night. I definitely was very, I'm still a dramatic person, but I was, you know, let it all out there. Um, So definitely not one of my finer moments in life. But, you know, what were you, 17? uh, Yeah, like 16 or 17. Like, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Yeah, we all have moments we regret at that age. Exactly. So, you know, and he, you know, he, he pretty much said he was like, it's water under the bridge. I said some things Unintended. that I probably sh- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, he was like, you know, there's no bridge burned here. Um, you know, there's, there's no, you know, 
bad blood or anything like that. And I think that we both did a very good job of literally not sweeping it under the rug, but literally just being like, okay, you know what? That was a few years ago and here's where we are now and where are we, you know, where are we going? You know, what's our, what's our goal for the future? That's a beautiful story in a way. Yeah, it really is. And I think that, um, you know, I almost looked at him as like a second father figure, um, for the longest time, um, you know, I think my parents, uh, you know, went, went through, you know, not a pretty nasty divorce. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, for a long period of time, my dad kind of wasn't really around and, and, um, uh, you know, he really did. He kind of stepped in, you know, I mean, he's literally offered, he offered me a, a bedroom at his home if things were, you know, too bad. Um, you know, he was prepared. Yeah. I mean, you know, he was prepared to talk to the university about that stuff. And, um, obviously it never got to that point, but, um, you know, we, he really was, you know, somebody that I consider, you know, like a second father. And I think that I always will, um, because those were some like really crucial times in my life. And I think for him to be there during those times was really important. That's great. So Alec, I have some ignorant college swimming questions for you. (laughs) So Much like wrestling, it's a team sport, but it's also an individual sport, right? Like a team will, or a team wins a meet, but there are also individual swimmers that win too. Right. Yep. That's it. So, I mean, it's all based on points, Um, you know, like, so if you win, I mean, you know, if you win a race and you get, I mean, I honestly I can barely, they, they scored differently at different meets. So, you know, like if you won the race, you got 10 points or if you got second, you got seven, you know, X, Y, Z. So, I mean, I think that it was a really interesting sport. Whereas, you know, you, your team could lose, but you could have won all of your events. Um, so like, you know, we, uh, if we were just doing, a dual meet, which it was, you know, just us and another team, you could have a swimmer win every race that they participated in, but their team loses. Um, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is a very interesting sport because it is, it's team, but it's so individual as well. Um, you know, for example, if you look at it in swimming in the Olympics, I mean, it's essentially individual. I mean, yes, there's Team USA, but you don't say, you know, when Michael Phelps won all of his gold medals, you're not saying, oh, Team USA did this. You're saying Michael Phelps did this. That's Um, a really good point. (laughs) So, I mean, and I think that that's something that I really wanted more of was the team atmosphere in college was really coming together and being like, hey, guys, like, what's the most, you know, what event, even if it's not an event I want to swim is an event that maybe I can place high enough in to give us the points that we need. Um, you know, and I think that that's something that I at least tried really hard to focus on. Um, of course, it's going to be very difficult not to focus on yourself at some point because it's literally you diving into the water. <laughs> so, uh, but it's something that I definitely really looked forward to going into college swimming was more of that, like, you know, a little bit more of that team atmosphere because club swimming I mean, to be bluntly honest, was 100% individual. <laughs> I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, this is about me. I don't even know how many teams, I mean, I can't even tell you. I know that, and I'm assuming they're still winning. My club team has won their summer championship probably like 25 years in a row now. But wow. um, 
I never knew like how many points our team had or, or what, or what our team even placed at meets because I was 100% focused on myself. And I mean, it wasn't just me that was like that. It was everyone, you know? I mean, that's just like, I think that that's just like the atmosphere of club swimming. Um, because it's not, you're not really, I mean, of course you're excited if your team wins the meet and stuff, but I mean, if I, for example, won the high point award, you know, like, cause I scored those points in my age group, I was focused on that trophy. I wasn't focused on the team trophy. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's an interesting sport. Um, you know, yeah. and I think tennis is kind of like that in a way too. Um, I guess I just chose these really individual sports that just happen to be a part of teams. <laughs> yeah. Alec, it's all about yourself, huh? I know, I guess it is. No, I'm just really kidding. Bad. <laughs> just kidding. But yes, yeah, so you had more of that team chemistry in college. That's nice. Yeah, it was. And I, you know, and it grew as our team grew. Um, of course, you know, not every team is perfect or anything like that. We had our ups and downs, but I think it was really nice to see us come together, you know, in the moments when it mattered um, and focus, you know, I, I distinctly remember a time in, um, my junior year when we were swimming against a team who had never lost at home and we beat them by one point. Um, and it was like down to the last race and I was in the last race and, um, like geeking out right now. Cause I'm like actually still getting a little bit of goosebumps from that time because Aww. it's just, you know, it was, it was something that was like really cool for us. You know, it was like, yeah. Um, something, it was a big win for our program, especially for our guys only being in our second year. And, um, it was exactly like that kind of, and, you know, we all jumped in the pool afterwards and, you know, and I think that it was that exact kind of team atmosphere that I had always like, that I had hoped that we would eventually have on the, uh, you know, in, at the college level. And then to be able to see that kind of like come to fruition was pretty cool. That's awesome. So is jumping in the pool, that's a form of celebration? Oh, yeah. As a coach, you're getting <laughs> thrown in in your clothes. Um, and Because, you know, I, I, again, you know, we don't have, like, that giant thing of Gatorade or whatever to dump on your coach like other sports do. So um, I guess instead, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know why we just get coaches wet when we win things. Um, but I guess it's just a thing that we tried that swimmers are like, well, we don't have a giant thing of Gatorade, but we can just push them in the pool. We have this big pool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have an unlimited amount of water. <laughs> Do the men and women ever have co-ed relays or are your teams separate? So um, our teams would be scored separately, um, but also together, if that makes sense. So like a woman's team could win conference, but the men's team could get second, but the team overall could win. So like there were like almost three separate trophies or three oh, separate. Wow. Th- yeah. So there was like the it's men could complicated. Win- I know <laughs> the men could win, the women could lose, but the team as a whole could win. Um, you know, like that kind of thing. I mean, it was probably pretty rare for it to be like, oh, the men won and the women got fifth, you know, but yeah, that, that could happen. Um, and it did happen, but, um, typically, you know, the top teams were just the top teams, but, uh, we didn't have any co-ed relays. I do know that they're doing that at the, um, you know, the Olympic level. Um, I think there is a co-ed relay that's going to be at the 2020 Olympics, which I think is pretty cool. Um, that is cool. And I enjoy watching the swimming. Yeah, um, it's, I mean, as long as you're not watching one of the really long races where you're like, oh God, is it over? Um, but 
but yeah, so I, I noticed that Worlds this year, um, a couple of co-ed relays, and they did, I can't remember which event it is, but there is going to be a co-ed relay at the 2020 Olympics, which is really cool. Nice. I'll look out for that. Yeah, definitely. And I'm assuming the men and women at least practice together. Yeah, so we did. Um, we only had one pool. Um, you know, it was a little bit, you know, we kind of, I mean, we obviously had free reign of what time our practices would be, but with just having the one pool, it was a little bit like, you know, difficult to like separate the practices. I'm not exactly sure what they're doing now, depending on how big the team is. Um, but I know that at bigger schools, like big D1 schools and stuff, I'm not sure if the men and women practice together. Um, I can't really like speak to that, but I know that as far as while I was there and while I was coaching there, our men and women did practice together. So during your swim career at Lenore Ryan, at some point you suffer a career ending injury. Can you talk about what happened? Yeah. So, um, my junior year was my best and last year of swimming. Um, I got a couple of, um, national B cuts. So the, the A would mean you automatically qualify, you go to nationals. Um, the B cut is, you know, at once all said and done and all the times are in before nationals. If your time was fast enough, you could maybe get picked up for nationals. If, you know, like some people like withdrew from some events they qualified in, or, you know, you made in other events and then they'd let you swim that event. Um, so I got a cut. I was uh, the first guy on our team to get those cuts. I didn't get picked up for the meet, um, which is honestly probably a good thing because I was hurt by then. So I probably wouldn't have been able to go anyway. Um, but so, you know, I was pretty excited um, at the end, you know, at my junior year, I was like, I'm do- this is going good. Like, this is exactly like what I had hoped for. But then um, by like the end of my junior season, I was having some back issues. Um, I didn't really understand why I was like, why does my back hurt? Like, you know what, like, what am I doing to make my back hurt? And, um, I was able to finish out the season. Um, but that was the last time that I would competitively swim. And then, you know, I practiced and like kind of did some pain management stuff over the summer. I definitely didn't practice as much as I would have wanted to. Um, and then going into my senior year, I started to really have some like, um, like severe back pain. Um, and, uh, you know, the trainers were doing, you know, their best to try to diagnose it. I was getting shots in my, you know, just like steroid injections into my back. Um, you know, just trying again, just like pain management and it just kept getting worse and worse. Um, to, and it got to the point where I was leaving, I was either like leaving class or not going to class because sitting was just the most uncomfortable thing that I could do. Um, like I, it was the, I was almost more comfortable standing than I was sitting, um, and, uh, or just, you know, being horizontal and, um, you know, a lot of doctor's appointments, a lot, I mean, too, like just too many shots into my back. I was like, I'm over this. <laughs> like, I don't want this anymore. And, um, I went to a doctor's appointment. Um, it was right after Christmas break had started and, um, they said, you know, our next, our only next option is surgery. And, uh, they were like, let's, you know, try to schedule this maybe for spring break, you know, when you have some time off school, uh, you know, if you can wait till then. And then, um, they actually 
went to go talk to like the scheduling people and came back and said, can you do it this Friday? And I was like, what? <laughs> it was wow. like a Tuesday or something. Yeah. It was like a Tuesday or something, but it was the, the recovery, the surgery itself was like very, um, it's pretty non-invasive. Um, it was, you know, just, it was like three or four hour surgery. And I basically what had happened, I, literally can't say the word but it's it's like your si joint which is i this is so bad that i literally have had the surgery on myself and i don't even really know what it is but um those medical terms are hard yeah and so basically it's this it's this joint that you have like between your hip and your back and there's some type of like ligaments down there or something and i had torn them um or and created this space you know, that was causing the pain. So they went in and put three like titanium clips, um, down there to pull it back together. So those are in there permanently, but, uh, yeah. So, but the, the surgery itself was fine. Um, you know, but the recovery was awful. Um, I just remember being like bedridden for like two weeks, like, um, you know, just not being able to do anything. And, uh, I couldn't walk for like three months. Um, yeah. So I, I was on, I was using a walker, (laughs) um, which was so cool around campus. So I had, I think I was on the walker for like three months and then I graduated to crutches for like another month. Um, so I, I wasn't like fully walking until about spring break. So it was like four months from like, and then even when I did start walking, I was just kind of dragging my leg behind me. (laughs) Like I realized that it was still too, I mean, like, if you think about it, that was the longest time I'd ever gone without walking since I learned to walk. So it was almost like reteaching my muscles back up yeah it was just like so I was so weak on the right side of my body that I was like you know going upstairs I would only go up like I would only step up with my left leg um and it it was definitely just like a very long recovery process which they told me you know they were like it's on a joint so this is why it's not as simple as you know, like crazy back surgeries where people have like all this massive scar and they have a huge plate in them. They can typically like walk away from the surgery, but because mine was done on like a joint, it was, that's why they had the recovery process was like that. So it was kind of, I mean, it, in a way it's kind of like a freak injury because they were like, we see this a lot in older people. Um, and then, and, you know, like trauma, you know, like, football players or, you know, like very, you know, like sports where there's actual contact. So we kind of basic, you know, through just trying to figure out why this happened, you know, we basically just, my, the doctors and I just figured out that it had to have been for me just doing some type of exercise in our weightlifting dry land program where I was just doing it wrong. And I just kept doing it wrong. Um, you know, they were like, it could have been like the tiniest little move that you were doing wrong to where like the naked eye, it was like, oh, he's doing that right. It looks right to me, you know, but I was doing, I was just moving or doing something just like incorrectly. And I, and so it's something that had actually like happened over a period of time. Um, so, you know, the first couple of years that I was back is probably like, you know, I just kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I was just like slowly just kind of like 
tearing that joint apart, I guess. Ooh, ouch. Do you have back pain today? Uh, yeah, they told me that I that it wasn't 100% fixed, um, that I um, would have basically just have my days, which I definitely do. Um, which, it, yeah, and it's it's so much better, though. Like, as I sit here right now with my leg crossed, I think back to the time where I literally couldn't cross my leg at all. So, I mean, I'm wow. definitely in a lot better place than I was then. Yeah, that's good. And uh, it's just about, you know, pain management and being very aware of what I can and can't do. Um, I If I go to, like, a workout class or something and they say if you have back pain here's like an, a different workout you could do i always try to do the different workout you know i'm not i'm not like too like i'm not too proud to do something in place of like you know so i don't hurt myself yeah that's um, good. you're being smart about it yeah and so i think that um but yeah i have every now and then my back will just bother me um and it just kind of is what it is but it's i mean they they told me the goal was like 60 to 70 percent better and i would say i might even be a little above that so i feel you know like very good with uh what happened um you know and like what you know after surgery i think i was you know, i i don't even think i worked out for like a year after i had surgery <laughs> i was like so scared to do anything and then even when i did go to like the gym i just ride the bike I was like, I'm too scared to touch a weight or to like run on the treadmill or do anything that could possibly like aggravate this injury. I don't blame you. I'd probably be the same way. Yeah. And so, but it is nice to be able to use this as an excuse. I'm like, uh, people are like, do you want to go on a run? I'm like, Ugh, can't my back. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great excuse. Yeah. And I'm like, but really, I just hate running and I just don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Did the doctors tell you that you would need another sur surgery years down the line? Um, they definitely said that that could happen. Um, they said that, you know, I was like, I think at the time, the only person who had, this surgery was actually a little, like, relatively new at the time. Um, it was called, it was basically a fusion is what it was called. So it was done partly by, like, a computer. And then, obviously, the doctor and the surgeons or, you know, whatever. I don't know. I was knocked out by the time I was in the operating room. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, they said that, um, you know, down the line, you know, as I get older, um, that it, it could be something that might have to be like, you know, revisited or, you know, could happen on my other side um, or something like that, which is obviously always in the back of my mind. Um, but I just make sure that I do, you know, like I said, just a lot of like being very aware of what I can and can't do. And if it hurts, you know, if something hurts, I immediately stop, you know. And so I just I think that, and, you know, they were like, just be very aware of what you're doing and, you know, like what your limitations are. Um, so we can try to, you know, avoid any kind of surgery in the future, but they definitely said that it's not out of the question. Okay. Hopefully you won't have to have that. Yeah, no, I am definitely, <laughs> definitely want to avoid that at all costs. <laughs> so, okay. Let's go back to, you just had your surgery, right? Mm -hmm. So for the majority of your life, you knew you were a swimmer. When you were struggling with your sexual identity, you probably had that swimmer identity to fall back on. We even talked about it. That was your crutch. So once that's gone, was that a difficult time for you or was it a chance to finally come to terms with who you are? Yes. So I always look back on like, I always look back on those like two weeks of me laying in the bed, just literally laying there, you know, like staring at the ceiling or 
just watching TV or whatever when I wasn't even allowed to move. Um, and I remember like being really sad. Um, and I think that part of it was because swimming was officially over, you know, I was a senior at this point. So it was like, okay, like it's literally done. There's no coming back from this. Um, and then, but it, but I look back on it now as such like a blessing in disguise because I probably, you know, like I said, as I got older, I started to develop my own opinions, um, and my own, you know, no beliefs and stuff. By this point, we were out of the Baptist church. Um, we were, you know, done with them. And I, uh, so it was the first time that I really had like time to just like reflect, you know, I feel like I was kind of always busy with something, whether it was, you know, in high school, it was swimming and tennis. And then, you know, at Tennessee, it was about, you know, like being in a new school and then trying to figure out how to transfer. And then I was back home and swimming. And, you know, so I kind of never really had that like pause. And, you know, I was in between semesters, so I had no schoolwork. I had nothing else to like to do. And so once I was done watching every movie known to mankind, um, I really just took a lot of time to just kind of reflect. And I was just like, you know, this is something that you have been struggling with since you can remember. So like, maybe we need to like visit this, you know, like, let's think about it. Let's, let's figure out what, what it is, you know, like, like it's clearly like, you're clearly gay. So like, what are we going to do about it? Um, so I, like I said, you know, thinking back, um, on that time, I kind of, kind of always smile as weird as it sounds as I was like laid up in a bed, just like not moving, (laughs) Uh, um, you know, because I think it was a really important time in my life and really, you know, something that, you know, benefited me, um, in a way, obviously it fixed a problem that I was having with my back and then, you know, fixed a problem that I was also having like internally too. So at that point, Are you out now or are you just out to yourself? I think I'm just out to myself at this point. Um, I I distinctly remember telling a friend, but then kind of like backtracking. Um, And then um, finally being like, you know, I think, you know, so I I actually remember my going on a cruise um, uh, for graduation with my my mom and my mom like pointing out like this really attractive girl and she was like you should have talked to her and I was like Ugh, I don't want to do that <laughs> um, I was like the only thing I'm going to tell her is that her suit is cute or something like that like I have no idea what to say to her um, and so I just and then finally like my mom just like kept like kind of pestering me just about like any girl she did that girl's really cute go talk to her that girl's cute blah 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 and I was just like okay this is like really annoying <laughs> and I and like she's not doing anything wrong she's just you know like being a mom and uh, but like, so yeah, when I, we, um, like, you know, shortly after that cruise, I remember, um, finally just like after like hours of pacing downstairs, um, like going up to my mom and, you know, telling her that I was gay and, um, you know, and that just kind of, that kind of opened up a can of worms, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so yeah, so that was, right after I graduated was when like the first time that I like said to, um, anyone really like I am gay. And it sounds like the conversation with your mom didn't go well. 
Um, yeah, you know, it was it was definitely tough. I mean, obviously, she had grown up, and I mean, she had a, she grew up Southern Baptist, and then you know, like I said, like was always in the church, and so it definitely didn't go that great. Um, I had hoped for a different reaction. Like I had seen like all those stories of like kids coming out to their parents, their parents being like, duh. And I was kind of hoping for that. Um, and I, you know, I kind of didn't get that. It wasn't like it was some huge, like, you know, blowout, like get out of my house or anything like that. And I, I mean, okay. she would never, you know, and, but it, it was tough. And, uh, you know, I actually, you know, I guess I just got really, and then I just got really scared. You know, I think I didn't really put too much thought into the actual idea of coming out and, you know, kind of what came with that. Um, and so I actually ended up like, I, I say I went back into the closet, um, only because I didn't really tell anyone else, you know, I told like a couple of friends and my mom and my brother, and that was it. Um, and then, you know, I actually started dating a girl again. Like, I actually oh, really? started dating. A, yeah. So, actually, going into grad school, I had a girlfriend um, who is now um, married to a woman, which I love. Oh, look at that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, everything comes full circle eventually. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, I, I, I spent the first year of grad school very lost, um, very confused, very just, you know, like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I thought I had it all figured out, like, and, uh, I didn't have anything figured out. Um, so I was definitely like in, and in, I don't want to say a dark place, but I was definitely in a place that I didn't want to be. Yeah. And to me, and I'm sorry to speak for you, but it sounds to me like you did have it figured out, but you got scared, which yeah. is totally okay. And makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think that I, I think deep down I knew exactly like who I was and who I wanted to be. It was just, you know, like it, it took me a while to be like, you know what, this is who you are and whoever wants to come along for this ride with you is who you want there anyway. So, I mean, I think that it, it, you know, it, I started to sort of come out to friends as like bisexual, which of course a lot of people who are from the South, they're like, what is, what, like, what, what does that mean? Like, obviously I know what bisexual means, but they're like, what does that mean for you? Like, so the, the, you know, they were just confused. And then I was like, well, I think I'm confused too. So I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, but um, it actually like led my like confusion and stuff uh, led me to be like, you know what, like, let's do something like kind of drastic and let's just, you know, let's do something completely outside of your comfort zone. And then that's when I decided to apply for an internship um, in Italy. And um and then once I got once I got accepted to that and spent you know a summer there, I think a lot of people think that they're like, oh, he had some like fairy tale European romance, and it's like, no, nope, that's not actually true. Um, I just you know had an amazing summer and surrounded myself with a bunch of like very beautiful, uh, open-minded people who it, I I don't even really remember coming out to any of them. It was just like I think I said like one time we were like drinking wine somewhere in Italy, I was like, oh, I'm gay. And they were like, well, yeah, we know, but, like, where is dinner? <laughs> like, uh, you know, yeah, it wasn't a big being, deal to them. 
Exactly. So to be able to like see that those types of people existed in the world and like to know that 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 was probably exactly how the majority of my friends would react was just like a really important thing for me. Um, And I I sound like the like the worst people when I talk about my time abroad Um, (laughs) because everybody's like, oh, my gosh, I studied abroad, blah, 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 blah. Um, But I didn't technically study abroad. I worked abroad. So very different things. (laughs) But I think, you know, like I said, it, 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 it took a while, but it eventually came full circle for me, too. That's really cool that going away, you're able to gain that perspective. So coming back, are you now fully out? Are you still dating a girl? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a roller coaster. Um, no, I yeah, I came out. I came back and I was out. You know, I like I told I told who I wanted, yeah, I told who I wanted to tell, I kind of told my mom, I was like, this is who I am, this is how it's going to be the end, Um, and then, uh, you know, and kind of, I didn't really, you know, I kind of said the same thing to, you know, the people, I just told the people that I wanted to tell, I didn't have, you know, I didn't do necessarily any kind of like large announcement or anything not like not saying anything's wrong with like that that's just not the like what I was comfortable with um yeah you didn't want to handle it that way yeah and so I you know I handled it the way that I handled it and I was just kind of like you know what I'm telling these people and the rest of them can figure it out for themselves they probably already know so it's fine (laughs) um but yeah so when I came out when I came home I was out and I was you know and I was out that's awesome. So yeah, so you come home and now you're a grad assistant, right? Yeah, so I was actually entering. So yeah, so I was entering my last year of grad school and then my last year is about being a grad assistant. How did you like coaching? I, um, you know, it was tough. I think that, you know, I was very young. Um, you know, a lot of times grad assistants are people who have been in the working world for a little bit and come back into grad school, um, you know, or, you know, they come and they came from a different school, but, you know, I was, so it was weird because for the first, for both years, I was actually coaching kids that I had actually swam with. Um, so that, that took a little bit of a transition, obviously going from, teammates and friends to being a coach. Um, you know, so I definitely think that I struggle with that a little bit. Maybe I played favorites. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, but yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed my time coaching, especially, you know, that last year I look back, um, I have very like fond memories of that last year of grad school and, um, of, of my time as a graduate assistant, um, for the team. I, I look back on like that year, and just like always smile because um, it was just, it was really special to be a part of the team in that way, but to also be myself like through and through with my team, you know, the girls always asking, you know, about my dating life and, you know, just being very invested in it and, um, you know, just being able to be myself around people that I, you know, some of them who I had known for a long time um, and who had known me as, you know, a completely different person. Um, it was really, it was just a really nice like experience and a really good way to, you know, kind of go out like in my education career officially and, you know, my swimming career, if you will. Um, it was just a really special time. Yeah. The first year you're, you're truly being yourself. You're truly being you. Yeah, for sure. Could you see, I know you do coaching on the side. Could you see it as a future career path for you? You know, I've thought about that. Um, 
I, I, I would a hundred percent be open to it. Um, I, I don't, of course, you know, I don't know what the future holds, um, you know, but I, I definitely wouldn't be against it if an opportunity presented itself for that to become, you know, my full-time job, I would, you know, and it was the right time and place. I would absolutely be open to it. And I'm going to join the team so you can teach me to swim straight. Perfect. That's, that is perfect. (laughs) We can work on that. (laughs) (laughs) So in January of this past year, you decided to write an article for outsports.com detailing your struggles and triumphs. Why did you write the article and in a sense, come out to the world? Yeah. So I had actually been in talks with outsports like three years ago. Um, I, I think it was, you know, at a time where I was, I had actually read an article, you know, that had gone like viral or something like that. And it was on Outsports, which is what made me discover Outsports. And I was like, well, this is cool. I was like, I have an interesting um, story, or at least I thought it was. Um, I didn't, I hadn't seen a ton of swimming at the time, obviously, a ton of swimming stories. Obviously, there have been many since. Um, And then, you know, I thought that my story was a little bit interesting, too, just because I would have been writing it from the perspective of a coach um, as opposed to being an athlete because I wasn't out as an athlete. Um, So and then it was just like me being really lazy and just kind of like falling off and not, you know, doing anything with it. And then I, um, you know, once I got back involved with swimming here, I was like, you know what, like, let's like, let's revisit that. So I went deep into my email archives from three years ago and just kind of struck the conversation up again and, um, you know, decided to write the article. Um, it took me a little bit, uh, you know, some time to really put it up. Cause it's the first time I guess I'd ever really put anything down on paper about it. But I think I decided to write the article because I was like, you know what, like this might help an athlete. This might help a coach this, you know, might help somebody who doesn't even, isn't even involved in sports, you know? And I think that, you know, the biggest thing for me was I, I, it had nothing to do with any kind of like recognition or in, you know, anything like that. I was just like, no, I want people to know, like people out there to know that there are people going through the exact same things or people who have gone through the things that you're going through or people who can relate to them. And, you know, just be, you know, that person that, you know, I said, if one person felt touched or impacted by what I wrote, then it was a success for me. Um, And, you know, I just want, yeah, I think it was just important for me to, you know, let people know, like, you know, there people are out there. There are, you know, people who love you and care about you and want what's best for you. And if, you know, if a complete stranger in me can be that person, then I'm open to that. It's a beautifully written article. I'm going to post a link in the episode notes if anyone wants to read it. My favorite quote from the article is, it is scary coming out in this world, not just as gay, but as yourself. It's a great it's a great quote. Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, um, and I think it's, I think it's really true. I mean, I think it can go back to a lot of the things that we talked about, 
um, throughout this conversation. I, I, you know, just being yourself is hard. Um, it and is. It, it, you know, it doesn't even have to be gay or straight or bi or anything like that, you know, just being yourself, um, you know, and whatever, you know, whatever that may be, I think that it's, it's really tough. And I think that it's, it gets tougher. Like I said, if we bring up the day, like the, the social media age that we're in, where, um, everything is documented now and there's cameras and pictures and just whatever everywhere. It's very difficult to be yourself. Um, and, uh, it, and it is scary, but I think that, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's worth it because once you're able to, you know, let, I don't know, I like to let your freak flag fly, you know, like just, I think, you know, what it, it really is one of the most freeing feelings to be able to like, take that weight off your shoulders of, you know, what are people going to think about me or, you know, what are people saying behind closed doors or behind my back or anything like that, you know, to be able to just truly like be yourself and to find, you know, find your, I don't know, your purpose, your passion, your people, you know, I think that, that, yeah, I think it, it really, I mean, for me, it has been like one of the most, one of the greatest, like, you know, like, parts of like, you know, my journey, you know, I think it's, it's just, it's a special thing and it's, it's just the most freeing feeling. And so I think that if, like I said, if I can help somebody, you know, like break down one of those walls or, you know, like just be able to like release some of that weight and some of that tension, you know, with all of the, the demands of society and like, you know, the pressures that are put on people, then that's great. Absolutely. And I've said this in other podcasts, but I think Outsports is such a great resource. Yeah, it really is. I think that because, and you know, I think that as, as it has become, you know, more known and uh, the articles are being circulated more and talked about more and, you know, sexuality and sports is being talked about more. I mean, obviously there's, or have been several Olympic, Olympic athletes and pro athletes that have come out. Um, in the last few years, I think it's, it's another thing that, you know, it, it, it shows these kids who are going through this at such a young age, um, that it is okay to be that way and that it doesn't, it doesn't have to define you as a person. And it, um, you know, it's a part of you, of course, um, but it doesn't have to define you and you can't like there, there can be, you know, a successful gay football player there can be you know successful you know lesbian women soccer player like they're you know like it's i think a lot of times people think that they're like oh why are you making it about sexuality like oh who cares and it's like well you know what somebody cares and there's there are people out there that need to hear that and you know there are kids out there that are struggling and there are you know and if if they can realize that like they, they can't just because they're gay doesn't mean they can't, doesn't mean they can't also be a football player or, you know, just because they're this doesn't mean they can't be that. And um, I, yeah, I definitely think the Outsports does a great job of, you know, um, really showing that to the world. Absolutely. I'm such a fan of them. And I really think the term it gets better is so meaningful, even for you. So we talked about your struggle, your fear of being gay, and I bet in your lowest lows, you couldn't imagine where your life is now. You are happily engaged to another man. 
Yeah, I I mean that is, <laughs> um, I mean yeah, definitely in my wildest of dreams, you know, middle school me, um, all angsty listening to like Simple Plan. Um, I. <laughs> Would have, I mean, it's something that I never even envisioned, you know, because I felt like I was suppressing it so hard that it's not something I was ever even able to really even think about until I was fully out of the closet because I was just so afraid of it. Um, and so to imagine, you know, this life that my fiance and I are like building for ourselves and to be where we are, you know, right now is just, you know, better than I could have ever dreamed of. So, I mean, you know, it's, I feel like it can only get better from here because I mean, I just, you know, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable to be able to sit here and have this conversation, you know, um, it's just not something I would have ever even thought, you know, could be possible. Yeah. And, and because I'm nosy, I need to ask about the proposal story. You're the one who asked, right? (laughs) I did. Yes. Um, so, you know, we had talked, we had obviously talked about it. Um, you know, we had, uh, we moved in together in March of 2018. Um, so, you know, obviously marriage had been talked about, um, and Michael, um, he is, I don't want to say he drags his feet, but he's definitely somebody who's very calculated in his decision-making. So I was like, you know what, if I wait on him to ask, we might be 80, (laughs) <laughs> so we're just living together and just hanging out. Um, so I was like, you know what? Cause I had always been, I had always said, I was like, you're asking me, I want to be asked. I was just being a diva about it. And so I was like, well, this would be a huge surprise to him because I've been so like adamant that he'd be the one to ask me, you know, we, um, I was like, I feel like it'd be a really big surprise. So I, um, I decided to do a surprise trip for his birthday, um, in December of last year. And, um, I just told him we were going on a trip. He, I didn't tell him where we were going or anything like that. I planned the trip like months before it happened. I, Michael has some very, um, good close friends that live in Chicago. So I've been talking to them. Um, you know, I started talking to Michael and I really enjoy going to this improv comedy club here in town. Um, and so I actually found an improv comedy club in, um, Chicago and started talking to one of the, um, I guess producers there and they were, they were doing an improv night and it was actually a LGBTQ cast. So everybody in the cast was a part of um, the community in one way or another. And, um, I was like, well, this would be kind of cool if we could, like, I don't know. And, so, of course, I was like, hey, incorporate me into your show. But, like, also don't do that if it's too much because I had no idea what the show was kind of like. But they were all about it. Um, they, like, loved the idea of it. So we spent, like, probably, like, a solid month of just, like, emails back and forth. And, of course, I was being extra and asking way too many questions. But I was nervous. So, um <laughs> But yeah, they actually just kind of incorporated it into the show um, between like the second and third acts. They were like, we normally do an intermission, but we're going to get to the audience, um, which was all just a 
ruse that we had put together ourselves. It wasn't something that they actually were doing. Um, and so I just raised my hand as a volunteer. And of course, Michael's like, what are you doing? Do not get up on that stage. <laughs> um, and then I'm like, they're like, who are you here with? And I told them and they made him come up on stage. And then at, like at that moment, I realized that I hadn't put one thought into what I was going to say. Um, so I was like, Hey, we're here for his birthday. Can we sing him happy birthday? And I was like, Oh man. And of course that's happy birthday is like probably one of the longest songs ever when you're just standing there waiting for it to be over. Um, so, but yeah, at the end of the happy birthday song, I just told him, um, you know, I was like, I, I don't even really remember what I said. I know I said something along the lines of like, you're my best friend. And then I got on one knee and I just said, do you want to be my best friend forever? And, um, and I, oh. and then I think I, and then I think I blacked out, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. He was surprised. Um, and then we had, I did it on the first night of our trip in Chicago, which was smart on my part because there's no way I could have held on to that secret without being like, <laughs> crazy. Um, so I did it on our first night. So we ended up having a really good trip. Um, and it oh, was a lot awesome. of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But he got me what back. What a sweet story. Oh, he, he got, got you back. back. He did. He actually proposed earlier. Um, I want to say it was, wow, this is bad, but I want to say it was like February, March. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he said that we were going to like a work event. And then he took me up to this plantation here in Charleston. And um, he had actually won a contest for like an engagement photo shoot. So this photographer was there and I was like, why is there a photographer here? And then, um, and then I was like, where are your coworkers? And we were just like walking down this path with like these beautiful trees. And I was like, where is everyone? Why, what are we doing? It's hot. (laughs) (laughs) And then he finally was like, Alec, we're not here for a work event. And he got down on one knee. And of course I was like freaking out and I was like, oh wow. Yeah. So I, he had me like completely fooled. I had no idea. Wow. Yeah. So, so when's the wedding? Um, it is, we're coming up on a year out. Um, it is 9 2020. So, oh, cool. yeah. So we have a little bit of a longer engagement, but that's just, I mean, we, we kind of gave ourselves like a little bit of an engagement honeymoon. We weren't, uh, you know, we didn't immediately jump into the wedding planning or anything like that. So, and then we, yeah, kinda, there's no need to rush. Yeah, exactly. So and we, we knew we definitely didn't want to do it in 2019. So we were like, well, well we're not going to start planning and, you know, or, you know, we're not going to start planning right away because we don't need to do it, you know, this year. And then I was pretty adamant that I wanted a fall wedding. So that's where we landed. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. So, so yeah, we're excited. How is it in Charleston as an openly gay couple? You know, honestly, we have had like no issues. I think that even though South Carolina is about as, you know, is as red as it gets in certain areas. Charleston is definitely a very open and accepting city. Um, you know, we have, sub, I mean, we have, you know, like tons of restaurants and coffee shops and shops and just stuff, you know, that have rainbow flags in the windows. Um, I know we have several churches here that march in our pride parade, um, you know, lots of local businesses and organizations. And so I think we're very lucky. Um, I always say that Charleston's a tiny speck of blues in a sea of red. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because, I mean, I'm obviously speaking for other parts of South Carolina that I don't know anything about, but I'm assuming it's pretty red other than Charleston. Yeah, you're probably right. 
Yeah. So, but yeah, it's good. I mean, we, we have no complaints, you know, we feel, um, you know, for, you know, pretty safe being ourselves, um, you know, and anything like that. Uh, we think the community around us is, you know, for the most part, very open, um, and accepting. That's fantastic. Yeah, definitely. What else are you up to these days besides planning a wedding and coaching? Yeah, just, um, I, like I said, we're on the go a lot. We, um, you know, we, there's always something to do on the weekends, you know, whether it's here and other cities, I think Michael's like being like, we've like either been gone every weekend this month, like for one thing or another, um, you know, and then we have our, you know, our, our normal nine to five jobs that we do, but yeah, we just, you know, we try to do it. We hang out with our dog a lot. We love our dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, we try to stay busy um, and we do a pretty good job at that. But um, yeah, we definitely, we talked last night. We definitely want to learn how to surf because we've lived here for almost three years and have never even tried. So we're like, okay, let's become beach people or something. I don't know. So definitely trying to set some goals. um, That'd be a fun couples activity. Yeah, I know. There's some like thing here where you like, or at least it used to be where you could do like, uh, like an hour, it was like a two hour thing where you did like an hour of yoga and then an hour of surf lessons. I was like, well, that sounds fun. I mean, I don't know how to do either of those things. I've never done yoga or surfing, so I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, but I was like, you know, yeah, so there's definitely, there's a lot to do around here. We try to stay, you know, be active and be outside as much as we can, because like I said, you know, we live at the beach, so we should take advantage of that while we can. For sure. Alec, I've loved our discussion. I like to end the podcast with some fun questions. How does that sound? Oh, yeah, that sounds great. All right. Who is your favorite Olympic swimmer to watch compete? Ugh, I know it's cliche, but I have to say Michael Phelps. Um, I think that it's just, he's just an incredible athlete. I mean, to be able to, you know, for him to medal in like five Olympics, I think. I mean, that's just crazy. That's just like an unheard of, like longevity in any sport, but especially swimming, um, you know, cause as you get older, it's just harder. <laughs> um, yeah. but uh, yeah, so I definitely have to say Michael Phelps. Yeah. I don't blame you. He's great. So as we've discussed, you're getting married soon. Where are you guys taking your honeymoon? Uh, great question. Um, uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we're not, we haven't decided on an exact place, but we know that we want to do somewhere that's like an all inclusive vibe, like by the beach where it's just relaxing. Um, you know, we toyed around with the idea of doing like a European kind of honeymoon, but we said that we just want like after the wedding's over and stuff, we just want to relax. We don't want to have to like have an itinerary. So we've tossed around the idea of Costa Rica cause neither of us have ever been there. So maybe there. <laughs> nice. So you'll have to you'll have to get back to me on that one. Yeah, definitely we'll do. <laughs> All right, last question: What show are you currently binge watching? Oh wow, so many. Um, <laughs> um, well, American Horror Story starts tomorrow. Um, we're big American Horror wow. Story fans, but um, I'm trying to think of a show that we just finished. Um, wow, this is tough. This sounds. Really bad, but I feel like we watch a lot of we we binge a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so if anybody needs any show recommendations, I'm sure we could find some. But we just finished watching. Um, we just finished watching Younger. I don't know if it, if you're familiar with that show. 
Okay, um, yes. I've seen a few seasons. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't watched the most recent ones. Okay. But yeah, that's a good show. Yeah, it's good. Um, Michael's a huge Hillary Duff fan, so that just makes it all, <laughs> all the better for him. Um, so yeah, that's one of the ones that just like the season just ended. Um, so I feel like that's one of the more recent ones that we watched. I'm a big Nico Tortorelli fan. Okay, yes, same. <laughs> <laughs> He's so hot. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> <sighs> Alec, thank you so much for coming on the show and being so open and vulnerable. I have no doubt that your story is helping others. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, you know, if it reaches one person that needs to hear it, then that's, you know, that's why I like wanted to share it. Absolutely. And where can the listeners find you if they want to reach out? Um, I'm on Facebook. My name's Alec Reitzel. I think I'm one of the only ones, so I should be very easy to find there. Um, and then um, my uh, Instagram handle is it's Ritzcracker. It's like a play on my <laughs> name, um, but it's, you know, it's R-E-I-T-Z underscore and then Cracka with three A's on it. <laughs> That's probably the best handle I've heard. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of like Instagram handles that are puns. I'm a big fan of those. I thought you were going to say you're a big fan of crackers, uh, which well, I would have said same. Yeah. Well, like honestly, same. I love Ritz crackers. So. <laughs> <sighs> All right, Alec. Thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, everyone. That was my conversation with Alec Reitzel. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I'll be back next week with another Outstanding Athlete.